Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2014 and beyond. You know it's a great town? Telluride. And in October, in Telluride, they have their horror show where you can see some great movies and talk to some great filmmakers like we did. So here's an exclusive interview with said filmmaker. Welcome to Telluride 2013. I'm Ryan James. Brad has the headphones on. We are with the makers of the TLC reality show Delivery. Um, uh, why don't you guys introduce our, yourselves to our audience? Uh, I'm Adam Schiller. I was a co-writer and producer on Delivery. Brian Netto, director and co-writer on Delivery. Of course, we're just kidding. Delivery is a horror movie. But what's really cool about Delivery is it starts off as a reality um, show. And, you know, the whole after, right after we saw the movie last night, me and James were talking. Do you guys watch a lot of TLC reality shows to get... Uh, or, or did you at least try to for this, you know, to prep? We, we did. As, uh, as prepara- for preparation for the film, we, we watched a lot of it. Our wives watch it religiously. So <laughs> horrible? My wife does too. It's... I mean, the, the interesting thing about it, you don't need to watch a ton to get the format. It's pretty. <laughs> it's 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 pretty much the same across the board. From everything from a reality show on MTV to TLC to Bravo, they all kind of look and feel the same. It's just the subject matter. So we watch some, and the one a thing lot. we more, yeah, more than some. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, well, look, look, we watched a lot um, through our wives, and we kind of said that you know we had to watch it because of them. You know, watching you know. A littlest couple, or big people, a little world, or what have you. All those things, all those shows have like this energy, and that's what we wanted to mimic. We wanted to make sure that we had our performers with that same amount of energy and, uh, and just kind of that upbeat, bright tone to their to their personalities that you have on a show. And then, of course, it changes as the film goes on. It was it was really impressive when it started because like that that whole opening sequence, I was like, holy shit! Like they they got that tone just perfect, and and it was it was things from you know the. The low angle shots of of like the couples walking by down the street and things like that, but it was also like it's so saccharine. Mm-hmm. Like everything is lit in a certain way. What what is, what's the list that you had? Like, did you have a shot list of like we got to get this thing and we got to have everything look this way? And how, well, yeah, I mean, how did the, you make that work? The conceit going into it was that um, we wanted to start from something really really polished, the reality show, and kind of as everything the story degrades, every sort of the video, so does the footage, so does the character arcs, kind of that whole type of thing, so it's like the whole, when we went into the reality show portion of it, it was like, this has to feel like you could literally sit down and watch this on television. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to satirize anything. I mean, it kind of comes off as that because it, it is what it is. I mean, that those yeah. shows are like that, so um, yeah, a major goal was just to come in and make sure that it felt as real as possible. Because my favorite real shot in it, and this sounds so silly, but um, when they're sitting at like their dinner table, like mm-hmm. you brought me to a, a place that has fangs on it, and then there's that like zoom in of the thing. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know how yeah. many of those dumb reality shows have it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I got a kick out of any time it said like the Macy's home, and it had like a little through the box. Oh man, it's I mean those shows are predicated on just keeping your attention. If it's just graphics, if it's music, if it's transitions, they just they feel as though. They can't just tell a story, a straight story. They have to put it in this really shiny, bright, you know, almost attention deficit type of package. And so we said, let's let's do the same thing. I mean, it's it, again, it's a it's a fine line between parody and like homage. And we wanted to make sure. Look, those things. If you watch one of those shows, you can watch a show for, uh, you can watch a commercial for a show. And I swear, I go, is that a real show? Like I I, th- <laughs> yeah. I can't tell if it's a Saturday Night Live skit or a show, you know. And so they them they do that on the you know in the, in and of themselves. A lot of those shows kind of walk that line. So we just said we're going to mimic it and uh, make you kind of fall in love with these characters before we put them through the ringer. 
And it's and what's really cool too is you do and you have it's found footage, but it's really clever. And I'll get to the found footage part in a second. But the the beginning is so light, and then you intercut it with like a documentary where um, you talked about Rick, the character, and if he's sleazy. I actually don't think he is because mm-hmm. I actually believe him mm-hmm. when he's because he's that he's that guy in the documentary that he tells you like what happens and. He, you have to believe him and for his performance is so good mm-hmm. that it just seems so natural for him because you do the cute little thing like oh I'm pregnant and then it's like this was recorded six months before she died mm-hmm. right. and then you that's cut. not a spoiler that happens in the first yeah, that happened, the that, yeah that's not a spoiler, not a spoiler. Um, and it goes to him and he you know it says do I believe she was haunted I do and then you get this immediate like sense of dread but then you cut right to like TVG and you uh-huh. know a delivery and mm-hmm. it's and it's a tribute too to. The, uh, did you test a lot of performers for it because they run with that premise for the reality show really well? And was that all scripted, or you just say, "Hey, this is the idea of the scene. Just talk about it and have fun." We well, I mean, the process. We knew what we needed as our end goal. We needed performances that were very just down to earth, very natural, but also that could, they could take it to the darker moments of the film. So we crafted casting sessions to find people that could flip it on and off at the drop of a hat. So we would literally bring people in, sit them in a chair, and we'd put them together as a husband and wife, but they didn't know each other, and we'd fire questions at them. So we'd ask the guy, I hear she proposed to you, tell me about it. He'd have to come up with something on the fly. We'd go back and forth, and then as the the questions got, you know, as as we went back and forth between each question, they got darker. So we wanted to see how they would go from something that's like, oh, my God, I'm telling my story, the story of proposing to my husband to yes i we had a miscarriage and yes there's something evil in our home so we wanted to see how they could you know how flexible they were and you know within the scene so you know once we found those people they didn't have a script at all we had a, we did have something we like we call a scriptment which is like 65 70 pages um some of the scenes had dialogue bits that we needed to make sure that arcs made sense and such um but a lot of it was paraphrased so we would say okay this needs to happen in this scene um and we played a lot with you know, telling char- one character something and not letting the other character know that this is what's going to happen in the scene. So there's a lot of, a uh, lot of Kyle coming home or whatever, and not knowing what he's going to expect when he walks in the front door, kind of a thing to kind of pull out real reactions. And then we would hone it. You know, so a lot of we, a lot of first takes were great, but then we'd be like, oh, the scene needs to end like this. Let's let's you know make sure that you you say this line or make sure that you, you leave it on this note kind of a thing but so. they came into each day with a blank call sheet it just said be here at this time and they didn't know anything about what they were doing so everyone in the crew had you know an idea of where we were going we would explain scenes to them as they came they're getting their hair and makeup done and we're talking to them all right so this scene is this is what happens it starts this way this is the meat of the scene this is the emotional you know trajectory of the scene and then it has to end on this note and or this particular line so we had it, we knew exactly where we were going. They just had to have a great amount of trust that we knew what we were doing and that we were going to take them. We were going to deliver and, and give their characters, you know, a full, you know, a full arc, which is difficult. I think a lot of found footage films don't have that because they mm-hmm. take place over, over 90 ride, yeah. minutes of running around in, you know, in a house and it's hard to develop a character that way. One, because they're completely bereft of any context. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to. You know, name names or anything, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of times where you see a found footage movie and it just sort of ends, mm-hmm. and there are all these loose ends that are interesting from like a horror perspective. But what they end up doing is just leaving your characters flat, mm-hmm. um, where you can build really great relationships within char- between characters, but then the horror element gets in there, and you're just like, oh, well, I guess that becomes more important, um, mm-hmm. and that ends up ruining it for me. And, the, and they're um, rides. A lot of those films are designed to be rides, literally. Yeah. 
you know, it's like a roller coaster. You're 90 minutes, you're in, you're out. Ours, we said, well, let's make, let's tell a story. Let's tell an interesting story because we really appreciate, you know, really strong acting and working with arcs and themes. A lot of times you can't fit a theme into a, a found footage film for the reasons you just, you know, yeah. listed. A, a good film that we used as research for this is an Australian found footage horror movie called Lake Mungo. I don't know if you've seen that. Great movie. Yeah. It's a great, great movie. And um, so we... W- it was really, I mean, we came up with the idea, we're like, this is great, and then we tried to, we reached out to our manager and people to like, at this t- at the time, I mean, we wrote this back in, what, 2009? So this is pre-paranormal, the rig- pre-when paranormal hit, before that. So yeah. um, we were trying to figure out exactly how this format would work and what you can do with it, and then paranormal hit, and we were like, holy crap, this is, there's something here, you know, because we, we were at the midnight showings in Hollywood, and we saw the crowd react to that the new found footage with paranormal activity and it blew our minds so we were like so we started researching and we found you know luckily we found Lake Mungo and doing some really interesting stuff with creating characters and creating that documentary but still using the found footage aesthetic so why it works too is um, a lot of issues with uh, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage movies I like them when they're done well Mm -hmm. um well, this movie, why it works, because, you know, every time you see a found footage movie, you're like, why don't you just turn off the camera, just run away? Mm-hmm. But where how you guys get around it is you, you're filming a reality show, so those guys are just there documenting anyways, so they're, that's their job, and that's what they're going to do. And they want, in a way, this is where, you know, that Rick might be a sleazeball is because he's going to keep on filming, mm-hmm. no matter what Rachel or Kyle are going through, that's his, that's his goal, is to create this wonderful show. Wonderful show in quotes. <laughs> uh, well, maybe delivery would be great if it was a TV show. Who yeah. knows? Maybe people like it. But um, my question is because those reality, I mean, real, found footage shows, they tend to uh, build really fast. And then you go and you ha- you're asking a lot of the audience, which has done really well, by the way, to stay patiently with these people. And again, that was obviously a conscious choice. Take us, were you ever scared by making it really slow to get to where you wanted to go? Scared? I wouldn't say scared. We just thought it would require a certain type of audience, and we weren't afraid of that. I mean, given the fact that the film was made for what it was made for, and we figured, you know, we can take a chance on a film like this. If this was, a, if it was a higher-profile film, and and people had expectations or knew of us prior to this, we'd feel as though we'd had to make it a certain type of film—a film that's more based on rides and and, and like and, and just scares. Based, rather than based on characterization. So we said, we'll just take a chance and let's see if it works. I mean, it's the kind of film we wanted to see, and that's the best way for us to gauge you know, the direction to go in, is if we're saying, this is what we want to see, and then you just hope that there's an audience out there for it. But of course, you're worried that people are going to go in thinking it's a horror film. And that's the tough thing for a film like this is a label, is when you call it a certain type of film, and then they go, oh, well, I expected this. Yeah. But I think audiences, once they get in, there's like the humor that kind of disarms them, and then it starts to get a little uncomfortable and weird, and you're starting to shift tones, and you don't know what to feel. You're still maybe chuckling here and there, but you, then you're getting kind of tense. And then by the time it gets to the third act, obviously it's in, it's in full gear. So um, it was just a matter of just kind of honing it and, and getting it in front of audiences and figuring out what worked and what didn't, and knowing yeah, that this we had, had a specific audience. We had, we had some test screens that we ran ourselves just to kind of to gauge you know, exactly what's too slow, what's, what, where you need a jump, where you need this and that and the other thing. So, um, you know... If we were nervous about anything, it would be the horror community, how they would respond to it. Because, I mean, it plays that we were all premiered at LA Film Festival, we played at New Orleans, but then we're also playing Telluride Horror Show and Scream Fest. So the response has been great. Luckily, I mean, you know, it, it's good to see horror fans because we made, we're horror fans. So that's kind of the, uh, you know, the audience we were, we were, you know, writing and making it for. But um, it's great to see people react the way they did. So I think we did our job. 
hopefully we did our job. What did the uh, like the thought process that you went through look like when uh, when deciding how much of the supernatural stuff to show, whether or not to show any at all? Because um, you you walk a fine line between being a a ghost movie and just being a psychological thriller. So mm-hmm. where did that choice come in? From the script stage. From yeah. the script stage, when we when we initially wrote everything out, we kind of read it and said, "All right, well this this." Instinctively, I think our instinct was to take it in a direction that made you go, wow, you can kind of play it both ways. But the question is, how long can you play it both ways? Because after a while, an audience just usually says, just tell me what is happening. They just tell me what's happening. But I think we were able to, in our minds, what we did is we we were able to have a definitive story or a definitive answer answer to what happened. But amazingly, still, after after the film is over... We think we have it's pretty definitive, but people still come up and go, "Oh my God, I can't believe this and this happened." I think it was this person. I think they start placing blame on what's happening, and and we love that because that was our goal. We just didn't. It's it's impossible to know if that's going to work until you put it in front of an audience. But they're always picking out moments and going, "When this happened, I was thinking that this character was behind her, that character's behind," her. and I go, "That's great," yeah. because for us, we love going into a film and having questions. It, 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 I like to kind of engage the mind and keep you guessing along the way. It, it doesn't always work that it can go to the end, but for this film, I think it did. But that was just a testing. As right, a, and audience. we in, in the editing process. I mean, um, we had larger supernatural events that we had scripted, that we you know we we edited it into the f- the film. It's like taking two steps forward and going, whoa, that feels like you've gone way too far. Take a step back and bring it back to that to make sure that line isn't crossed. So that was a conscious thing, and and um, it's just a lot of playing around, you know, in the editing process. You put everything in there, and then you go, okay, what doesn't work? What's too much? What's not enough? Because um, you did that, we go a little bit too far, and we go, "Well, that's way too that, way too far, way too early." And then you scale it back, and then you go, "Okay, but now nothing's going on." You know, now <laughs> nothing's going on. So I was like, but, nah, "And the like, real, the real tough thing was the escalation because yeah. because of where we start and where we end, it's obviously got to be a gradual process. You can't have a you can't have a moment that automatically just kind of leapfrogs and into a different type of film. It'll completely jar people out, and um, that was that was the biggest challenge because then it does get into the gradual. You know the slow burn feel, and and you do have to make sure you're keeping people engaged. Yeah. You know that's funny that you say that because me and James had different reactions mm-hmm. to the ending, mm-hmm. um, and which we won't discuss. Uh, the no, 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 we'll, we're, we're going to talk about it once the interview's over. Yeah, we'll discuss it later. <laughs> you have to see um, it. But what I love too is uh, the the way the film looked because I I walked out and I was just uh, talking and I said, you know, the opening is so bright and colorful, and then you guys give that warning saying, hey, this was pulled from 275 hours or something like mm-hmm. that of footage so it's not polished it's like hey this is what we're just putting these events so you can s- judge for yourself mm-hmm. what happened to these people and uh it, it's really kind of it shows like the the i don't know the word but i guess the the mind psyche of rachel's character mm-hmm. i mean it degrades slowly and uh you just give enough and uh is there parts of the movie where you think that you gave too much or are you pretty happy where it is now is it basically a final cut mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah it's 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 a final cut we're happy with with where we've ended up but yeah i mean that was all that was all planned it was to start really really polished you know move into the second act and then you have you know professionally shot reality footage that hasn't been you know color timed and hasn't been mixed properly and stuff kind of just layered in there um, and then, you know, the third act's a little bit more of the found footage type of thing, or guy with a camera. But, yeah, that was all from the script stage. When we came up with the idea, we're like, this, you know, this is, this is how it has to go. I mean, this makes sense. Story-wise, it makes sense. Visually, we think it would keep people on their toes, make it interesting. 
going back to what you were saying a while earlier about found footage movies, um, and it's a roller coaster ride. You know, with the reality show crew there filming this, it allowed us the opportunity to not you know make people nauseous in the audience with people running around and stuff. So I think people have been reacting to the fact that well the, the shots are nicely framed and you know mm-hmm. what I mean which makes it easier to follow it makes it feels a little bit more narrative that way I think um, and maybe you could speak to that I mean I think I think um, it allows you to yeah I mean watching found footage m- films for me a lot of times I have to like turn my face away and my head away because I'm just like oh I'm getting a little nauseous because it's just you know camera jiggling around everywhere we were really conscious about not doing that you know what I mean mm-hmm. And you also didn't play tricks. You know, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the paranormal activity movies. Mm-hmm. One, because it's all relying on tricks. Um, you kept the camera there, mm-hmm. and you didn't move it. You know, um, one of, uh, you mentioned it. I, I don't, the thing I don't like about, I think it's Paranormal 3, mm-hmm. is they put a, a camera on an oscillating fan, mm-hmm. and it drives me crazy mm-hmm. because it just builds, and you just know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no tension. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a director, you said you are shooting with four cameras. Mm-hmm. How did you know what... S- I guess scenes to use mm-hmm. in specific scenes to build the right amount of tension in the shot, I guess. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was once we, well, I mean, the cameras were used to tell a particular, or to kind of convey it to a particular tone. So we have flip cameras for the video diaries because those mm-hmm. are very lo-fi. And I tend to think, you know, when I see a film that's a found footage film and it's, and it's supposed to be a, a person with a camera and it looks like it's you know the highest end camera you can buy it just doesn't it already, automatically it takes me out of it because I go this feels like a, con, uh, a, a, con, a pro camera when this person probably bought this at Best Buy in the fiction in the story so for us it was a matter of going alright what's the look of this particular scene this is the scene that was on the cutting room floor okay so we put it in and we're not going to color time it like we did the others or this particular scene and the final act of the film is just one guy with a camera and he's not a professional camera person he's you know Rick He's the so, producer, but so you know, it should it shouldn't be it should not be as well co- you know the, the composition shouldn't be as as strong or the, even the framing shouldn't be as strong because he doesn't use a, use a camera he doesn't know how to handle a camera so all of that went into just making sure like you know we always joked that it's like Inception we had to play who's shooting what at what point and what's the what's the purpose behind it if we're shooting for the reality show the reality show has to have a certain look and feel because he's a professional cameraman but when we get to the second act and this is stuff that's on the cutting room floor then we have to make sure that we're not, it's not framed perfectly. We're missing stuff. Stuff is not always there because this was never going to be in the show, but it serves the purposes of the documentarians that are making a film about what went wrong. So it was always just like, all right, what is this going to look like? You know, where is this in the story? In terms of the scares, a lot of that comes down to, you know, the first jump moment in the film is, is done on a particular camera and in, and in daylight. And that was very important so that we said, you won't be safe anytime or anywhere. But it does kind of set up this kind of this Pavlovian dog thing. So every time that particular camera comes on and we announce it's a video diary, every time it comes on, boom, you go, okay, something is going to happen. Now, whether it happens or not, we want to kind of create this thing. And, and the fun thing was watching it last night. We were up in the balcony and, and watching this, I think it was a father and son. And every time we would get to a certain section... Uh, he would kind of turn his he would kind of turn his head away <laughs> or put his hand over his and that was great I, I mean because that's why I like to go to films that's why I enjoy thrillers or horror films because I love that reaction it's not for everybody but that's why I go so yeah. we had to kind of, we had to put that in there for the people that are, are people that need to jump out of their seat this and that so there's those moments in there but and his think, wife Hates horror movies. She, like she, she so won't, watch, she won't walk through a room if a, TV, if a horror movie is playing. She's so, that, <laughs> not like them. So that. I watch a lot of horror films <laughs> by myself. So, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was. T- we spent a year editing the film just because wow. 
first off, we're not you know, we hadn't edited a feature before, so this was you know for us we knew how to edit. I think we knew very we we had an idea of the pacing, and I think the film uh, is exactly the way we turned out, probably better than we had turned out because the performances were above and beyond what we were hoping for. They just yeah, they, the, that's when you're doing you know independently funded uh, horror film or any type of film. That was going into it. That was what we we said. Okay, if we're gonna make this a low budget horror film, you know the things that we can control are the quality of the acting and the story. You know what I mean? It's gonna look like it's gonna look. You know this film would look the same if it was made for six hundred and fifty thousand million dollars. It would look the same as it does to this. So we weren't concerned with that. We were just like, okay, we need to spend our time casting. We spent a year casting people. Wow. Um, and a year editing editing the film. So. It was always just about tweaking it, moving it, uh, this, taking this scene out, adding it back, moving it to a different place, just to make sure that, like you were talking, that pacing and that setting is just like, it builds, it just continues to build and build and build and build and build. Is it hard as a director to have a non-professional person shoot your movie and then know that it mm-hmm. has to not look professional, mm-hmm. but at the same time your brain is telling you it has to look a certain way? Is that a hard thing to switch off and on? You're talking about for the, the, cam- for the scenes with the actors? Yeah, the yeah. Not really, because I think... The messiness of it is what makes it authentic. You know, we don't, you, again, when you see films that are shot with, with a camera that looks like it's too high grade or when the framing is just too perfect, to me that takes me out. I love the messiness of it. And I think the great thing is people are so accustomed these days to stuff on YouTube and just, all, you know, everyone's filming themselves. And we're used to seeing, uh, you know, people that aren't professional camera persons, people uh, filming stories that just don't, that just had that that rawness to them, and I think that's that was more important than making sure. Now we took look, we, we had a ton of takes, so we made sure we got what we needed. <laughs> tons of takes, <laughs> tons yeah. and tons of takes. Um, we're not quite in Fincher territory, but we take enough takes to get what we need. <laughs> but and that was important. But I I, I like that. I love the messiness of it. Yeah. Do you think though uh, taking too much takes does that hurt an actor's performance, or does it? It can. I, I think it can. I mean, we got to we got to points in some of the more intense scenes in the film. We got to points where we were like. They, the actors would say, I think I got about one more take in me. You know and what I mean? And I'd say, then we've got three more to go. Then we got three more. <laughs> we can push it just far enough. But you can, you can see it. Going back and watching the takes and the dailies and such, you, you can see when they started to get tired. And it's not, it doesn't feel. That's why we, you know, a lot of, a lot of the takes we used were within the first couple, two, three takes. Because it was felt fresh. You know, a lot of them were second takes because it's like, okay, they went in, they did it a certain way. Oh, we need to tweak it. You know, we tweaked it. And then they nailed it in the second one, and then they started losing, you know, losing a little bit of a momentum as they went along. But I don't. I like a lot of takes. I won't lie. Yeah. <laughs> the actors will attest to that. <laughs> so I, you know, you just because this is so performance driven, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can't skimp on that. Like this yeah. is not. A, it, it, that's that's really the linchpin of the film. We should have had T-shirts on and said one more time. One more take. <laughs> one more <laughs> take. That's what everybody was joking on. Said mm. one more. So take. do they always do each take differently, or, or what do you look for specifically in each take? to go from as mm-hmm. a director I'm just mm-hmm. just curious um, sure. are you uh, like an actor's director where you mm-hmm. just coach them through it or you kind of say uh, do it this way and you sit and watch and then you come back up and they do it this way are you a technical guy well it depends I mean because this is a very unusual unconventional way of making a film where the actors didn't have a script beforehand but moreover they didn't also sit down with us beforehand and break down each scene or each motivate so they didn't have that moment so we, that had to be done on set so it was a matter of saying alright this is what this is what the scene's about now go and more often than not, because you know we brought them in because the, they embody a lot of the traits of the characters that we're, that we're portraying, you just let them go for that first because instinct is better than, especially in a film like this, instinct is more important than direction. Like you have to look to your left at this moment. It, it's you want them to feel as authentic as possible, which is why we're not afraid when moments 
when most people would be including scenes of, 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 you know, like this has to be a jump moment, this has to be this type. We just said, let's make it real and dramatic, and you know what, we'll, we'll have plenty of that down the road. So every scene was different. It depended on what we gave, it, gave them beforehand, you know, in terms of direction. And then you come back and say, well, say it this way or say it that way. But there were a few times that I found, and it, maybe it was because it was this type of performance, there were a few times I found it was best to say nothing and just say, let's go again, and just see where they went. It really depends on the scene. Um, and this is again such an unusual way to make a film. It's it's it was nece- it was necessary for this film, but it's not the way you typically typically work. I mean, we ca- yeah we cast it on the chemistry between the the two characters. I mean, we had uh, the Rachel character cast, um, and uh, Kyle character came on at a later date, and it was all about just finding. I mean, they both had to be great at dramatic improv, which is you know different than comedic improv, which is what a, a lot of what we found um, actors coming in uh, kind of. Uh, leaning on the comedic aspect of it, because um, we didn't really tell them tone in the interview and in the auditions either. We didn't tell them like you know, they mostly went, oh, it's comedic. You know, you're doing a found footage. It's got to be a comedic version of it, kind of. But um, yeah, it was all about the chemistry. And as soon as they kind of sat down together, they had known each other too outside of, of the film, and um, we just saw it immediately. We we're like, okay, they got the chemistry that you need because if you don't have the chemistry between those two characters. It just doesn't work. And I'm glad we had the time to find the right Kyle to match the Rachel we had already cast because if a lot of times you're up against a, time, a deadline and we've got to be in production by this date and so you just find somebody. We didn't have, again, we were making this film off the radar so we want to just make it right. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we came out six months before or after we wanted to or not. It had to, you know, if it's good, it doesn't matter when it's done. So you didn't you didn't tell the actors that it was a horror movie when they were auditioning? No, we 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 told them that we didn't tell them tone. We didn't say it has to feel like this movie because there really isn't a fi- you know there isn't anything you can really compare it to. Uh, but we said it's going to go in Rosemary's Baby territory. We didn't tell them. Now, now, granted, we didn't tell them where it was going towards the end. <laughs> and so the 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 hardest thing we had to do was was. We're filming, final night of filming, and we had to lock them in a room with us and say, all right, so this is what's going to happen at the end. Oh. And they very, didn't, very end. They had no clue what, <laughs> they had what, no idea what, was, yeah. gonna what was going to happen in wow. that sequence. Did, so that was, did you tell them all or did you just tell her? Well, I'm trying to think who knew from the crew because it was, it was, like, a, it was like a shell game. We was trying to figure out who knew what at what point. I think the first time we did the, the we're working the crew, on the, the crew knew what the crew was going to happen. Yeah. I don't think the rest of the actors knew. So I Only think she we had, knew what, yeah, the, what was going to happen in that The last two leads, yeah. We won't spoil the ending. Sure. We were sitting, I was sitting <laughs> next to this lady, and I'm not even kidding. She, there's, there's a moment in the end where she does something, mm-hmm. and then she does something else, mm-hmm. and the lady next to me is like, oh my God! But like, <laughs> and, um, do you find that the reaction from women mm-hmm. is stronger than from men of what happens, or is it hmm. pretty much even throughout? I think it's pretty, I actually yeah. think it's pretty even, but um, we're really, pl- really pleased with how women are, you know, the, the, this whole film is is filled with women and i mean from the mother to the mother you know to the mother-in-law to the midwife and the best friend um so it's nice to see women respond to that because in the horror genre i don't think there's a lot of female-centric roles Mm -hmm. or films you know what i mean um unless they're being killed off you know um but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been pr- pretty pleased. But I think it's been pretty equal across the board, don't you? It has. No, I I enjoy. We always get a smile on our face as we get towards the the final the, the build, ending, yeah, and the build, yeah. because we know what's coming, and and, I, and it's different everywhere you go. But um, we always had, an audible response. It's so. I mean, we've been in a packed house. We literally, it was like 
there was a, there was a, a journalist who we we met afterwards. He's like the guy like jumped out of his seat, so, <laughs> and so I, I I enjoy that because it, to me it means not just that scene work, but it means everything leading up to it worked yeah. because mm-hmm. you know that's it has to that, that's the payoff. Obviously, yeah, I'll be really vague here because I mm-hmm. obviously don't want to spoil it, but mm-hmm. I think maybe uh, there is two types of reactions because mm-hmm. um, for men you it's something that's happening to someone you love mm-hmm. and you feel helpless about it because, you know, throughout the whole movie, he's thinking that, well, I thought this, I might be wrong, but like the Kyle character is like, well, as soon as this baby is born, everything will be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really fascinating um, because, and I also like, I sympathize with him with his dog. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, that's, that, like, that's my buddy. You know, yeah, you're going to yeah. sit here and tell me my, my, my buddy's crazy and he's attacking you. I'd probably be defensive too. <laughs> I think those are the great character moments that, um, that are really easy to, people can relate to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mother-in-law not liking you. My mother-in-law loves me, so I don't, I don't know what that's like. So, um, so uh, hats off, guys. I, I, I think it's, it's a really effective movie, it. and yeah, um, I can't see wait to see what happens with it. Do you guys have a Blu-ray release planned, or how's that going to happen? We have distribution. We haven't announced yet, but it's. I mean, the plan is first quarter 2014 to come out. Cool. So it would be... We're not sure the plan yet. It's supposed to be limited theatrical within VOD and, and DVD. So I, I think I think as soon as people see it, it mm-hmm. will really catch on mm-hmm. because it's it's found footage, but it's smarter than a lot of found footage. Mm-hmm. And I, again, you know, last year it was a battery for me. This mm-hmm. year it was delivery mm-hmm. for a movie that I see that totally blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, how uh, so? We'll go to the making of it. How did you get? Uh, the funding for it? Did you come mm-hmm. with people with just a script and mm-hmm. say, or did you just tell them what the basic premise was and say, hey, give us your money and we're going to make this movie? Or did you fund it all yourselves? Hmm. You're looking at the executive producers right here. Oh, wow, <laughs> yeah. wow, wow. We did, we did, yeah, we pretty much did everything. You know, we ed- even edited it on our kitchen, you know, on our kitchen table. So, uh, on a laptop. <laughs> we did approach, I mean, we approached people and they were very receptive from the very beginning. They loved the idea, obviously. They loved the idea. They read the script. They thought there was a lot of potential there. But, just like in Hollywood, you can get um, inundated with um, meetings and raising money, and nothing really came to fruition. So we, we literally set – we had people that were interested. We were like, okay, we're going to get you guys money, and this is what we're going to do. But we said, okay, but you know, this is the date. We're starting on this date. We're starting principal photography on this date. We have everything lined up. We can do it ourselves if we want to. And we got to a point where we're like, we're starting on Monday, and this is like a Thursday. They're like, you guys are really going to do this. We can get the money in a couple of days. We're like, if you can – if it's in the bank account on on Monday, you're welcome <laughs> to be part of it. You know what I mean, kind of a thing. And, but they, I think they also respected that the fact that we were just going to go and do it. You know what I mean? It's like because I mean, for a film like this, it's not. You know, this is a film that you could mount if you had more resources and 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 more. If you were a studio or a mini major, you could mount a film like this rel- relatively quickly. Now, maybe you wouldn't have had the the reality show aspect to it, but you know. I, we were just kind of like, you know what, let's just do it on our own. And I, and I think, honestly, the way we did the film, because it was so unorthodox in the way that we handled the, the, the script with the actors and just kind of, it's just kind of this big, you know, secret. Everything is just, you know, secretive and, and, and that takes a lot of planning. And, and I think it's just, it was the way we did it was probably best we did it on our own. And then also the post, the way we did it, probably best we did it on our own because it was a lot of us just kind of experimenting and, and not being afraid to, go with something that may subvert expectations but I think ultimately people will enjoy I agree I think because um, you hit on something that uh, we've talked to a lot of independent filmmakers and they always ask I ask them you know how do you get your movie made and some of them don't have the right answers but I think you guys have the right answers you 
if you want it made, just do it. Mm-hmm. And then and then you don't have to worry about someone telling you what you have to do. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about an editor editing out what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Just do it yourself. And I think that, I mean, it, it pays off in the movie because that's a movie you want to see. And I think it's a movie everybody else wants to see. You're not being, you know, lassoed right. into mm-hmm. a, a thing. So I'm going to go back, though. How'd you guys get into movies? Uh, well, we uh, were originally from Minnesota, moved out to Los Angeles. About Prince 11. Country. Yes. 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 Uh, good friend of mine. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> moved out to Los Angeles about 11 years ago. And we just, we just, you know, we did the work at a bookstore, pay bills, internship deal, work your way up, work on sets, and, you know, work as assistants for people that are doing it. And you basically, in my experience, and I, I think Brian will echo this, is, is that that's the best way to learn how to make movies is by experiencing it throughout, you know, the things that other people are dealing with filmmakers oh this is the problem when we've been lucky <clears throat> with this film we've been close to everything from you know from getting sales agents and distribution it's our film we own everything so we've been privy to all those conversations a lot of times when you have a um a little bit bigger of a budget um you're kind of insulated from from all the kind of those decisions that are make that are made in regards to you know where your film's going to land how it's going to be put out you know what's what's the deal with this and that um so We've learned a lot, and it's been a great process to kind of watch how independent films are are made and then given out to people. And then prior, so. you know, prior to that, just you know, we just had a camera in our backyard. We were little. We ran around and told stories with two people, one camera, two people. It's tough to tell a lot the original of original found footage. Yeah, <laughs> it was you know just a lot of just learning, really just learning um, more than anything how to tell a, sto- a visual story because again, it was. Either I was operating the camera or he was. So that meant one person was on screen from there. You just had to get clever. And I think that's the story that a lot of people have that are making films now. We didn't go to film school. So we, you know, I marketed, I majored in marketing communications. And Adam, what were you in? Communication. Communication. So, I mean, you know, I think we, living in Minnesota, at the time we did, it was a matter of just going, well, what do we really want to do this? And if we're going to do it, we need to probably go elsewhere. So it was just a decision to, to move. And then, and then from there on, just stick. Which is frightening. You know what I mean? When you start, when you say, this is my dream to make movies, and then you actually pack up the car and you're driving, and you're like... <laughs> yeah. Did it help that you guys went together? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, was there times when you doubted yourself, and then the other guy was there to pick you up? And we that, still doubt oh, ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that happens. <laughs> that, I love like you ever get rid of that, no matter what you're doing, you, you write something, like, is this good enough, or is this just crap? Or It's good. We, we write together, so it's good. I don't know how people can, can write by themselves. It's it's great to have a sounding board to write something. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm you know I'm so tired. I don't want to. I don't feel like writing this. But he's, you know, had energy that day and he's written a great sequence or something. And it just keeps the process moving. You know, it keeps the next scene moving. So you're writing the next thing and then oh we're done with that one and then uh, you just keep moving and moving, moving. I think you have to making films. You just have to keep working on the next thing. You know what I mean? It's great to publicize this. You know, we're already writing the next thing. So you just have to be ready and always be creative and always be move, pushing towards that next thing whatever that next project is because a lot of doors are going to get shut in your face and you got to have a lot of options and you, you know? need to, everyone needs a cheerleader so we are each other's cheerleader mm-hmm. and i think the, t- the, mo- the toughest thing to find in la if you're a director is a producer producing partner mm-hmm. because at, ultimately they're the person that you're going to go out there with they will be you know with you in a room meet reaching out meet, bringing bringing aboard cast crew just you know talent just kind of pulling the film together and when you're just, if you're a writer director, you need, you're just going to need to either go find that at a, you know, at a production house or just, you know, it's just difficult to find someone to go out there and kind of be the person that says, you need to read this, you need to make this, you know, you need to be in this film. Uh, that's the toughest thing to find. So we are each other, we are that for each other. And that's been, 
I don't know where we would have been had we not come out together and done this uh-huh. together. Uh-huh. Did you just fall into the roles of director and producer, yeah. or did you do you want to direct and maybe you'll produce the next one? Or that's exactly I- what we're doing. He's doing. <laughs> he's, he's you know we're writing the next one mm-hmm. and he's directing and I'm producing. I mean we we it's an unusual. Uh, relationship only in, I mean to everyone else but to us it makes sense because it's like a collective of filmmakers but we're only two people it's at a collective this point. of two <laughs> it's like if yeah. you know of the border, borderline films guys out of New York who did Martha Marcy May Marlene and After, After School they kind of have the same philosophy they, there's three of those guys they write and produce and direct each other's projects you know, you know I'll write something Brian like oh I'm going to produce that this you know, this and that, we'll write something together, or Brian's going to write something, and I'll produce and he'll, you know, that's kind of how we envision it. We'll see what the future has to hold, but that's kind of how we envision the yeah. whole process. And that's got to help, then, because you made this movie, since you guys had hats on everything, yeah. and mm-hmm. so you kind of know to what to expect in each area. It's uh, fun, and for us, that's, that's the most fun. We like to have our hands in, every, in everything, every aspect of it, you know. We like directing, we love writing. I like producing, I like being there, you know, giving tidbits to the actors. Creating the marketing. You know, we did a lot of the original, not, we didn't create ourselves the posers and teasers, but we're the ones who kind of designed them and and the tagline and all that stuff. So we won't have that, we likely won't have that. uh, On the next project. On the next project. We probably, I mean, that's, uh, after that, I mean, if we're getting someone else's money, they're going to be the ones calling the shots. So we wanted to take full advantage and, and just get our fingers in everything. So I think we've, come out of this thing almost it was basically we made a film and it was almost like film school because yeah, film school, yeah. we did it from the very beginning we were doing locations and contracts and casting and then craft you know, service craft service yes. <laughs> we didn't make the food we just independent <laughs> films one thing we did learn independent films low budget films what have you if you feed the crew really good food they'll work their ass off <laughs> if they're working for free or you got your nephew working as a boom operator or what have you give them good ass food <laughs> and they'll work their ass off. <laughs> they will. Uh, so, but when if you need financing though for mm-hmm. the next one, and they see that you financed a whole movie by yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, the goal is that they'll kind of leave you alone and say, "Well, I mean, look what they did with their money, and they're going to make put out a good product." So here's our money, and we'll kind of leave them alone and see what they do. Is that if the you're goal? in the right if you're in the right budget range, yes. I mean, there's 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 a lot of filmmakers now like Ty West, who seems like he has a lot of autonomy in what he's doing because his films have his stamp on them mm-hmm. but uh, he has a track record at this point so we're not exactly for a certain budget yeah. and they always make money so he always has people he can go back to and say well the last two movies I did made money mm-hmm. okay here's the money go do your thing if you want to make it for a, a particular number and it, and it depends on again who's in it the genre and what have you if you're in genre if you're working in action thrillers horrors that's great because there's an audience for that worldwide so if you're sticking to that, and that's we love, we love, you know, all genre crime, you know, science fiction, everything. So, but if we do it for a price, sure. But if we go above a certain threshold, <laughs> at that point, everyone wants to. There's a lot of cooks that want to come in the kitchen, and so you just have. We're, we're cognizant of that. And I think we're going to design the next few projects to make sure that we get, we 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 make the film we want to make, and then at that point, use it. You know, we're going to bet on ourselves. We're going to try to do something that we want to see just like delivery and if we're using other people's money and I put it this way we will be because we are out of the financing business <laughs> retired we retired at this point then we're, we're just going to have to say alright we'll do it for this number but to make it the way we want want versus going a little higher and, and um, yeah just and just compromising what we want to do but I also think that's a great experience to have, especially when you're looking for money for your, for the next project, because part of what makes a, a J.J. Abrams or a Steven Spielberg so good is that they can control their budget so well. And when you've had the experience of 
uh, of doing all the parts of making a movie, um, it means that as your projects get bigger and bigger, and unfortunately you have to let those things go, and you, you have to say, like, okay, well, we'll give this to a marketing team, or we'll give this to a costuming agency, you know, that kind of stuff, because you can't be in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you at least know what all goes into that, and you can picture, like, okay, this is how much this is actually going to cost, and how much work is going to go into this, and these are the ways that we can, at a, at a high level, change a few things to make everything at a, lo- at a much lower level mm-hmm. a whole lot easier. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, a really advantageous uh, piece of experience to have. Mm-hmm. So what are you guys working on next? Um, it's called Method. It's, uh, it's along the same vein, kind of psychological thriller horror aspects to it about an actor that takes on a, a very interesting role. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. But, yeah, we're almost done with the script. So the hope is to get that out there and then you know, secure some funding and start shooting sometime early next year mm-hmm. cool very cool and you know I uh, before we get out of here Brian I just want to mention that you worked with Jason Statham and <laughs> our, our longest running joke <laughs> on our podcast so far I mean we've been doing it for almost three years but every week was his line from Parker and I just want to say that uh, the whole world comes back around full circle In, full circle I, I was here at Telly Ride Horror yeah. Show I looked you up on IMDB and I was like um, oh he's been in a few things let me see what he's been doing oh my gosh he was in Parker <laughs> <laughs> what did you do on Parker associate producer on Parker uh, what, what's that title in title Intel, that's the, Tells, that's, the that's the six million dollar question. For, I mean, producers can encompass so much. I mean, a lot of what I did was making sure that we got what we needed in post because we had um, a lot of moving parts and people moving around the country and, and just kind of securing, um, making sure that they got in and, and did what we needed in, in terms of post production, ADR, you know, visual effects, um, all those things. Just kind of coordinating that. So it's 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 basically like making a f- like our film. You wear a million different hats and you do whatever is necessary uh, to to just to bring the film to completion. So, cool. And, and did you meet Jason Statham? I certainly did. Did he ask you if you were wearing a wire? He did not, but I would be curious to, un- to curious to hear what it would sound like if he did. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay, okay. thank you. Oh. I need to know if you're wearing a wire. Wait, is that Brilliant. Jason, is that Jason Statham here? <laughs> See, you don't even know. Yeah, I okay, wish I wish you call him on the phone. That's just my dorky thing I want to do. Hey, can we find you guys on uh, online um, and yeah, help we have, promote uh, we your have, film? We have a fa- our, our, actually our website is delivery-movie.com, um, and we have a Facebook page, Twitter account, Tumblr account, and uh, find us there, like us, and uh, like follow us, along. Love yeah. us, all that stuff. We like to be liked. Yeah. What, what's the Twitter handle? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just uh, delivery movie. Delivery movie. Yeah. Delivery, isn't it at delivery movie? Well, yeah, that's how they do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I, that's not my <laughs> area of expertise. And I think it's. I also think it's uh, Facebook.com/slash delivery film. I think is what it is. But you just type in delivery, and you'll be able to find it. Very cool. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, no, it was no so fun worries. meeting you guys yesterday too because I found out you're a Spider-Man fan. And oh yeah. I was like crying when you said that Craven should be in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Only a real Spider-Man fan would know what that was. And oh man, I love the film community. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Thanks for having us, guys. guys. Thank, Thank you. Great. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thank it. you. Thank you, Ted of Telluride Horror Show, the Sheridan Opera House, for letting us set up in their wonderful place. Until next year, bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz smooth sounds of movies. 
You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.